Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Daniel. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior tonight. <laughs> thank you, Jesus, for giving us another day of life and another opportunity to come learn about you and become more and more like you, Lord. All glory and honor goes to you. Thank you for doing for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. Eternally grateful. I'd like to thank the core of the ministry, the people that show up, one body, many parts. Let us always work together in unity in the spirit and crucify our flesh each and every day. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study? And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity tonight, Lord, to gather together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Lord, even our own, as all we all fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord, and all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord. Let us always see you in everything, Lord. Let us never take you for granted and always have a reverence for you, Lord, as you're working in all of our lives, changing us and transforming us into the image of your Son, Lord, so we can glorify you and build your kingdom, Lord. We pray for the people who might not be well, our brother George, our sister Doreen, our little sister Giselle, as you're healing each one of them, Lord, bring them back to us, Lord, and anyone else who needs a prayer, Lord. We all need prayer, Father, as these days are getting darker, Lord, as you prepare to come back to see us, Lord, let us be ready for when you do come, Lord. Let us be able to hold our heads up high, knowing... Well done, my good and faithful servants, Lord. Help us to be like you each and every day, Lord, and less and less like ourselves, Lord, as John the Baptist said, he must decrease and you must increase, Lord, in our lives. And as always, let everything be done by your Spirit tonight and not our flesh. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, we pray this. Amen. All right, let's stand and worship the Lord and we'll get started.
spiritual juices flowing tonight. Amen. 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 Oh, praise the Lord. He's always doing great things and will continue to do great things for us. Amen. As we walk in obedience with our Lord, He loves us unconditionally. Isn't that awesome? He's always with us. He's never going to leave us. He doesn't hold our sins against us. He always remains faithful. Even when we're unfaithful, He can't deny who He is. It's just an awesome thing to have a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. How's everybody doing tonight, okay? Good. Yeah, better now, right? It's good to get to church on halfway point, right? The world's definitely going crazy out there for sure. People are so self-absorbed. It's unbelievable. All right, let's go to Romans chapter 1. <laughs> Back up to verse 8. Not too bad. Well, we're definitely going to go further than 17 now. Yeah. As a reminder, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over as the scriptures come out. So please prepare your hearts and clear your mind of the day and everything that might have happened so you can get a crystal clear voice of God in your spirit. Amen? Amen. Okay, you're going to receive it tonight. Okay, look at verse 8 of Romans chapter 1. Apostle Paul let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I could bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Like it's a two-way street. I come up here to help encourage you with your faith. And you come back and encourage me by accepting the message and loving the message, amen? It brings fire. That's what iron sharpens iron. That's what we do. We build each other up. Because this is a very difficult task, worshiping the Lord and serving Him. Now it says in verse 13, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. So there's always a hindrance, always stopping, the, trying to stop. The devil's always trying to stop. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have, I, I have I seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by going to church every week. 
Oh, that's not in there. Some people think that's how it's accomplished, by coming to church and doing religious activity. That is not how it is accomplished. From start to finish by faith. The things we do for the church and the things for God are just the fruit of our salvation. It's not a requirement for it. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. All right, let's go on and read. God's anger at sin. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So if, that, if somebody says, well, how do you know there's a God? I say, well, just go outside and look outside. That's how you know there's a God. No more. You don't have to say anything more. Because there's no other explanation for this. So now people are without excuse because God shows his divine nature through nature and through the universe that he created it. And look at verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result... Their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result... They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet, they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. I'll put a big amen to that. The Bible says, Woe to you who sin and then bring others into sin. You're better off tying a millstone around yourself and thrown into the sea. 
So that's what people do. In other words, like instead of saying, I'm going to stop doing it, the people that aren't doing it, they try to bring them into it. That's what it is. They try to pull them out into sin. The, the Christians that are trying to live right, they get into other people's minds and they get corrupt. And we end up, bad company corrupts good character. That's why when the church doors are open, I'm here. Because I need to stay in good company with other believers. Because this sinful nature is attracted to that stuff. We have to understand we have a sin nature that's attracted to the things that are against God. And if we don't fellowship with other believers, read our Bible, we can very well fall back into the very same things that we came out of. And get a big amen there. You close that Bible, stop coming to church, stop reading it, stop listening to anything Christian, and you see how fast your flesh comes back. And it comes back with a vengeance. And it says you're worse off than before. So, I would just say, stay on the path. Don't come off the path because it's hard to get back on it once you fall off it. People will tell you there's a lot of spiritual casualties out there. People walk away from the fig and they can't find their way back. It's scary. Can I get an amen there? That's why it's important to stay rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And I'm glad I'm here tonight. I hope you are too. Absolutely. All right, let's tap into our book of Daniel tonight. We are in chapter 6. I'm talking about Daniel in the lion's den. Before we get started, I just want to summarize a little bit what's going to be taking place in this chapter. They set a trap for Daniel. They tried to set him up because they were jealous of him. And they couldn't find anything... He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was obeying the law. He was following the government rules. He was doing everything right. So they had to make up a way to devise a plan so they could get him. And they knew that he wouldn't deny his God. That's how faithful he was to his God. So that's what they did. Daniel pays no attention to the new rule and continues to pray to God at his window facing Jerusalem. Okay? We're going to read about this. The satraps go to Darius and tell him what Daniel is doing. But the king really likes Daniel and makes every effort he can to save him. Still, the satraps tell him that he can't change his own laws. Once the king makes his law, he seals it and he can't retract it. So Darius orders Daniel thrown into the lion's den. Though before it happens, Darius tells Daniel that he hopes God can save him. After Daniel is put inside the den, is sealed over with a giant boulder. After heading home, Darius refuses to eat. He fasts and is unable to sleep as well. Okay, he, he had a conviction going on, Darius. Look, he fasted and everything. So he was actually praying. He was saying, look, God, please don't do this. Don't let him take Daniel. The next day, Darius heads down to the den to see if God saved Daniel. And he has. Daniel is fine and answers the king when Darius calls to him. Then explains that God's angel showed up and made sure the lion's mouth stayed shut. So Daniel is saved and Darius allows him to be taken out of the den. All right, so does everybody remember where we left off? <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> Daniel chapter 6, we are in verse 11, I believe, right? 
funny, it's missing in my, in my notes. Chat, verse 11 is missing. Isn't that crazy? That's all right. <laughs> I'll get it because I have other resources to get me to it. I have every other, chat, every other verse, but 11 is missing. I just was looking at it too and now because it's highlighted because I know, you know, so I don't forget where I leave off. Daniel chapter 6, look at verse 11. As a matter of fact, let's back up to 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Imagine that. They found him praying. Did he, did he, the law, he heard the law, said, no, he can't do that. He still went right by the window so everybody could see him. That's what kind of faith Daniel had. And why did Daniel have so much power? Because Daniel was obedient to God. You have to understand, if you want God's power in your life, obedience is a requirement. You could, God's grace, he loves us, but you fall out under that umbrella of protection when you decide to live your own way. He loves you and saves you, but if you're not obedient, you're not going to get God's power to overcome the things that you need to overcome. Can I get an amen here? People think that obedience doesn't matter. Obedience is everything for the Christian. That's the, that's the protection for a Christian, is obedience. You know what it is? People love, they love their life to live their own way. Say, so, well, that's not required to go to heaven, so I don't have to be obedient. It's required to be safe down here. If you're not obedient down here, you're not going to be safe down here in God's arms. The devil is going to have a field day with you. <laughs> okay, before we go on, Daniel stood alone here, okay? Although he knew about the law against praying to anyone except the king, he continued to pray three times a day as he always had, okay? Daniel had a disciplined prayer life. One thing that is required for a Christian to live in obedience to God is to have a disciplined Christian walk. What do I mean by discipline? Do you have to do it? No. You should want to do it. Get in your Bible every day. Read the daily walk. Show up for Bible study. Study the Bible on your, on your own. Fellowship with other believers. These are the disciplines we have to develop so the devil can't worm his way in and steal what we have. That's why we have the doors open on the church. If I could have them open 24 hours a day, I would, because this is a safe haven for us. Especially somebody walking in obedience. The devil is always trying to take an obedient Christian off the table. And there's disobedient Christians inside the church that try to tell them not to do it either because it sheds light on a disobedient Christian. They think it's legalism to live right. Legalism isn't living right. We live right because it's the right thing to do and to protect us. Legalism is totally different. Like what you wear, what you watch, all that other stuff is legalism. 
It's not, to live right is not legalism. That's what? That's salvation. Living right is our salvation. That's the fruit of our salvation. Big amen, right? All right. Okay, so let's go to um, verse 12. They found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him About his law. They went right up to him and said, Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? They stroked his ego so much that he signed that paper. So they would worship him instead of God. Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. Okay? Not so much he liked Daniel. But he knew he couldn't retract it. He was looking for a way out. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So they went right back in there again and made sure. See, he was trying to let it smooth over and maybe like ignore it and let Daniel get a pass. They wouldn't let it happen because they're the ones who plotted it. Beware of people that are going to come up against you in your faith. They'll do anything to assassinate your character. They will. And the only way that you can counteract it and prove that they're wrong is by living a godly life and proving them wrong. You can't tell anybody because once you put something in someone's ear, they already start to form an opinion of you. Okay? And the only way that that's going to... They're going to watch you and say, look, I don't live... I can't understand... That doesn't line up with their character. I don't see them like that. I don't see them being dishonest. I don't see them talking about people. I don't... I don't believe that. That's the only way you're going to pe- make people not see it. You're going to live an honorable life, so we'll counteract it. That's the only way. Then, in verse 16, at last, so at last, the king gave orders to Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. So the king knew that he was faithful to his God. How? Why? Because the way he lived and the way he acted, everything was outward. It wasn't just in church. He was like that with God wherever he went. His faith in God showed everywhere. Let me ask you a question. Does your faith in God show everywhere? 
while you're at work, while you're in a store, the people know that your faith in God is controlling you? Or are you hush-hush when you're around people? So they, I don't want anybody to think I'm a Jesus freak or anything like that. That, goes, that shows you how much you love God, by the way. But you, you're willing to be embarrassed for God. To tell people, I follow Jesus. Not just God, I follow Jesus. You're going to use the name. God's, and people can accept God because you can make a million different gods. But when you say, I follow Jesus Christ, that opens the door for people to go, so no. Because that's the truth. You see, Jesus Christ is the truth, and the truth is the Word of God, okay? So we follow Jesus Christ. It's like right now we're following Jesus. By reading the Word of God, we're following Jesus Christ. Can you get an amen yet? That's what following Jesus is, following the Word of God. But some people say, oh, I can't say that. I can't do that. Look, if you can't say it, you can be it. People will know you're different, and you're what? Thought, word, and deed. At work, wherever you go, you're polite to people. You don't say, oh, you're ignorant, you're rude, you cut me, I deserve better. This no, you let them have a pass. You're considerate and kind, and you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Like Jesus. That's how they'll know you're a Christian. Not by what you say and how many scriptures you, you throw at them. How you live will show them. Okay. So he said... In verse 16, the king said to me, Your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. Now listen up before we keep going. Lions roam the countryside and forests in Mesopotamia, okay? And the people feared them and greatly respected their power. Some kings hunted lions for sport. The Persians captured lions and kept them in large parks where they were fed and attended. Lions were also used for executing people. They were barbaric back in those days. But God has, always, has ways of delivering his people that none of us can even imagine. Okay? It is always premature to give up and give in to the demands of hostile authorities intent on defying God. Because God has power they know nothing about. God could even shut the mouths of lions. This powerful pagan king was well aware of Daniel's consistent faith and trust in God. He respected Daniel for it even though he didn't share Daniel's faith and he was now forced to punish him for it. What can unbelievers determine about your life? Do those who don't believe in God still witness to your consistency of faith and trust in him? If so, your life is having a greater impact than you can imagine. And any men here. Even though that king didn't follow God, Daniel's faith in God gave him faith. To even say, your God's going to rescue you, has the power to rescue you. That's how strong Daniel's faith was, and the king knew how powerful God was through Daniel. All right, look at verse 17. A 
a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Now, why would he fast if he didn't know about God? Daniel told him about God in fasting, that how God answers prayers through prayer and fasting. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. He couldn't even sleep that night. Conviction. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God. Listen to what he said. Listen how he's speaking. This is a king speaking now. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered. Look how he answered. Long live the king. He didn't say, yeah, thank you, Jesus. No, he said, long live the king. He was still honoring the king to throw him in there. You see when somebody has holy amnesia, he didn't remember what he did. He said, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Now, now you tell me if somebody says something about you and you end up in jail... And then they come and visit you. Are you going to say, how are you doing? Thank you for sending me to prison. Or are you going to have a resentment to that person that put you in prison? What would the flesh do? The flesh would have a resentment, right? Did Dan why didn't Daniel have a resentment towards the king? He could have said to the king, king, why don't you just not let that happen to me? Why would you, why, why wouldn't you, you're my friend. Why would you just say, no, it's not going to happen? You know, risk your embarrassment. He didn't go near it. He said, long live the king. Do you see what spiritual maturity can do in the believer's life? Listen, if you wake up every day and forget what happened yesterday to people, you'll enjoy this Christian life. But if you hold on to bitterness and resentment, especially with family and history, you will not enjoy all the freedom that God has given you in Christ. It has to be done. You have to forgive and forget. Now, do I mean like forget, like, no. In other words, like, if you see that person, it's like it never happened. Of course, you're not going to forget something that happened to you. I'm saying forget. You can't hold anything against anybody anymore. Forget that it even happened. You know you're going to remember it, but you're not going to use it against anybody anymore. Can I get an amen here? Look. That's required for a Christian, to forgive and forget. Now, if you have deep roots with family members that you're not, that you're not forgiving, God is going to bring you to a place of misery and discontentment until you go make things right with them. Nobody gets a pass on that. Nobody. So you won't enjoy the freedom because when you have a resentment towards somebody, it owns you more than it owns them. 
It does. It poisons you. It's like cancer inside your spirit. It's spiritual cancer. So, believe me, if you want to enjoy all you're coming to church to learn and do, you have to do it. Forgive them. Forget about it. Holy amnesia. Just like my wife said, I've got to practice that more at home. I do because we're together all the time. Holy amnesia, especially at home. You know it as well as I do when you get into a bickering match, how things from the past come up again. Pop! You talk about the whack-a-mole. Boop! Remember you did this? Boop! Remember you did that? Oh, if you didn't say this, I wouldn't have did that. But I thought you forgave me. I did. Back then I did, but I don't forgive you today. The scorekeeper. The record books just came back out. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I get any amen here? That's why I'm saying spiritual growth is the key to success in your life here. You cannot get, enjoy your life through your intellect with God. You can't get, through your intellect, you can't have a good relationship with God. You have to be like a kid, like a child, and hold his hand. You can't learn about God any other way but through living your life and obeying what he tells you to do. Then you have an actual experience. That's what a witness is. A witness is an experience. When you witness to somebody, that means something happened to you that you're witnessing and saying, look, Jesus saved me, changed my life. Not witnessing that nothing happened to you or never changed. That's a false witness. That's a false witness. And you see false witnesses in the church all the time because they never really changed or transformed to have a witness for anything. Can't get any men here. That's why we need to grow spiritually and become obedient to God so we actually have something to witness. Now look at verse 21. Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed in order that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him. For he had trusted in his God. Listen, you need to get trusting with God. And it says, what does it say? An angel came. Angels comes in the form of people. You know that in the Bible. They come in the form of people. God will send somebody to protect you. If you just trust him. Don't fall prey to the flesh and go back to your old ways again. Because then God can't, then you can't find the angel. You're going to find the wrong angel. The devil. He comes as an angel of light. Saying, you don't deserve to be treated like that. Let them know how you feel. When Jesus comes into your life, he says, Shh, don't say nothing. I'll protect you. When Jesus got confronted before he was crucified, they, he said, how come you're not answering? I have the power to, to, to release you. He said, you have no power at all for me if it wasn't given from above. You know you're growing spiritually when you can keep your mouth shut. That's how you know. When you can keep your mouth shut, you know you're getting something out of this. But when you can't, then you know you just, you can't, you're in a growth, you're in a 
stunted growth state where you're just counting on God's grace to get you through the day. And you just can't keep your mouth shut. I don't know about you, but I learned the hard way how to keep my mouth shut. Because as a Christian, don't think that there's not consequences for you opening your mouth. There's big ones, worse ones. See, God knows, we know the truth here. And when you open your mouth, like the unbelieving world gets a pass, they don't know God. You do. So mine, if you don't have anything good to say that's going to build up and edify anybody, it's not from God. Trust me. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Because you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get in trouble. And you can't, one thing you can't do is retract it. You know, you know, you know how the flesh is. After somebody gets mad, after you say something. Oh, I was just kidding. I was joking. No, you weren't joking. You couldn't contain what was in your heart, and it came out. See? One thing about the flesh, it can try to contain it for so long in the willpower, but sooner or later, the real you comes out, and God shows you the real you without him. Because you can't do it. That's why you need him. You need a savior to save you from yourself. Daniel was smart. He didn't fight it. He went in the lion's den. The king came out long lived the king. He didn't hold it against him. He knew that God was with him through the whole thing. If you understand when you get up every day that God is with you, he goes out ahead of you, you don't have to do anything but be obedient, and you'll have a beautiful day. Because God orchestrated it for you and you're living by him. But when you start to get rebellious and do things your own way, it's when you start running into trouble. Or when you try to control somebody. Any control freaks in here? Try to make people think like they think and do like they do? How's that working? Listen, we want to bring people to think like Jesus, not like me or you. There's only one who's got it right. And it's Jesus. <laughs> All right. Now listen up. For he had Look at verse 23. Let me read that again. That's how powerful this verse is. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Now what would have happened if he didn't trust God? He wouldn't be coming out of that den alive. Okay? He would have been all full of scratches. He would have been lunch meat. All right, now listen. There's a lesson here. No one can touch the person who trusts in God and obeys his will until God decides that person's time on earth is done. Trusting God brings immeasurable peace. The same God who delivered Daniel will deliver you. When you pray for God's will to be carried out, like Matthew 6.10, you are trusting God with your life. You can lay all your concerns, worries, and fears at His feet. So when you pray, you pray for His will to be done, not yours. That's what you pray for. 
And you pray that you can stay out of the way. And let Him, let Him make the decisions for you. Let Him speak through you. All right, verse 24. There's a lot here, isn't there? Then the king gave orders. Now listen to this. Now Daniel didn't say, those guys, false witness, ratted me out. I want you to go get them. Daniel didn't say a word now, did he? What do you would have said to the king? If somebody threw you under the bus, would you have tripped on him? Or were you to kept your mouth shut? Now look what he says. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. Listen, Christians. If you're living right and in God's will, there are going to be people that maliciously want to accuse you. They're looking. They're watching you. The devil is using... See, the devil has to go into an entity to work. Okay? So he goes into somebody who's an unbeliever. And he works through them to get to you. Okay? He's after you. The devil's after you. And how does he get at you? Through people, places, and things. He works through it. It has to go into something. Okay? So he has to go into something. And it could be an, a, a, a Christian that's in unbelief and not trusting God. The devil will come in. Somebody at work, even a family member that's not believing in Jesus will the devil use to attack you and slander you. Your own family will come up against you. This is how powerful the spiritual warfare is. How do I know? I experience it now in mine. And I pray for God. Here's one thing. Spirituality is not hereditary. It's not hereditary. It doesn't pass through. They, family members can come and reject it. Some can accept it, but it's not hereditary. You wish it was, don't you? Don't you wish everybody just followed what you follow? It doesn't work that way. They have to choose Jesus Christ as their Savior. Or else they're not going to heaven. It's pretty scary. So pray for them. Pray that the devil gets out of them because... Who puts a veil over people so they don't believe in Jesus? Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glory of God. They're blinded. They can't see spiritual things. Satan, look, there's two forces in the world, good and evil. Satan controls the evil and God controls the good. So people who reject God are under the control of Satan by default. They don't even know it. It's pretty, I don't know about you, but I reverence God. This spiritual warfare, it's creepy. You can't figure it out. It's powerful. You can't see. You know, that anybody ever watched that movie Predator? That thing was ugly, that ugly thing. And you couldn't see it. It just used to appear. That's what we're fighting. We're fighting a Predator the devil. We can't see him. We can't see how he gets in and how he maneuvers. And he works through people, places, and things. But when you're mature spiritually, you can discern just by the way people are talking if it's from God or from the devil. But when you're not spiritual, you can't figure that out. 
That's why it's so important to grow spiritually so you can see the good and evil coming. Because it's easy to get deceived. I pray for everybody that God strengthens the church, the people in the church, so they don't become casualties. Because if you know through the ages, what, is, what does people know about church? Go to church on Sunday, do your penance, do this, do that, and God's happy with you. That's all people have ever been taught. So that's what they do. They didn't, they didn't say, you need to change, you need to repent, you need to start a new life. Nobody understands that. Churches are full of people that come to church, worship God, go home and do whatever they do without any transformation at all. They're not saved. Salvation does something to you. You change. Something happens to you. The Holy Spirit comes in and starts working in there, changing, turning some dials. <laughs> you say, whoa. Think, ooh. You, know, you start saying... Boy, I used to like to do that. I'm not really into that too much anymore. Then after you do it, you start feeling convicted. We said, I never felt convicted before. How come, how come no, I can't? See, the Spirit starts working. You, you don't even, it's nothing you do with you. When the Holy Spirit's in you, it just happens. He starts changing. He's making some adjustments in there. You can't get away from it. You know it as well as I do when you lay in bed at the end of the day. That Holy Spirit's right in there to convict you or tell you you did good. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's how you know the Holy Spirit's in you. Even though you're not perfect, you know that the things that you used to like to do, you're not really liking it anymore. Now it's almost like you're possessed to do it, but you don't want to do it anymore. The things I hate, I do, Paul was saying. Because his flesh was weak still. See, the evidence of salvation in the believer is a changed life. That's how you know that you're saved. Your life starts to change. You want to go to church. You want to read your Bible. You want to pray. You want to grow. You want to learn. Something that that desire was never in you before. That's how you know. That's how I know anyway, before I could care less about the Bible. I remember back in the day, you could do whatever you want with it. It was just a book on the table. Yeah. Never opened it. Never thought of anything of it. Now I can't get out of it. How, how am I going to explain that to someone? I can't. Just like the wind blows, you can't see how the spirit comes. But you know the ones who aren't. Oh, that's just a book. That isn't true. There's nothing real about it. Those were written by men. That's the ones that are controlled by the devil. And then you have to what? Pray for them. Say, Lord, open their eyes so they can see what we see. Because you can't make them see it. You ever try to talk to an unbeliever and try to open their eyes about Jesus and the cross? You end up, they get real angry. Because the truth, see, Jesus is the truth. See, the word of God is the truth, so people get angry when you mention Jesus Christ because that's the only truth out there. You can mention God, Buddha, all them other names, but when you mention Jesus Christ to somebody, 
an instant conviction comes because the devil is in them. So they start kissing about it and getting angry. Don't talk to me about that religious stuff. It's not true. That's how you know. Unfortunately, the fam- I got family members that I couldn't, I couldn't get them to come to church if I dragged them here. Nothing I can do. But they ain't going to be in heaven with me. There's nothing I can do. All I can do is pray that God opens their eyes. I can't force it. Okay, now look at verse 24. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Now do you see, there's a lesson in that in itself. When you do something against God and his will, it doesn't just affect you. It affects your wife and your children also. They suffer. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Now you know that the guys that did that to Daniel, the wife and the kids didn't know they did that. And they said, what are we getting thrown in the lion's den for? The sins of the parents carried through the generations. And they had to pay the ugly price of that too. So just think about it. When you go to sin, the, the people in your family are also going to get the results from that sin too. Can I get an amen here? Amen. So just think about them. Don't think about yourself. Think about when you're going to sin, who else is going to affect? It's going to affect people in your family, co-workers, and your church family. Because disobedience in the church hinders the growth of the church. It, this, you know what this church can turn into? A synagogue of Satan. People just living a sinful life, coming to church, doing their duty and leaving. That's not going to happen here. Nope, I'd rather have three people here that are living right than 300 that are living their own way. Because that's not going to build the church. That's not what we want here. We want quality. God wants the quality of his people. Christ-like character developed. That's how you know if the church is operating right. Developing Christ-like character in them people. They're not scheming and scamming and burning people and trying to get over on anybody anymore. They're living a righteous life. All right, before we close, let me just expand on verse 24. In accordance with Persian custom, this cruel punishment was transferred to those who had conspired against the king by provoking him into an unjust action. We can get also see that in Esther chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. The king's great anger resulted in the execution of the evil officials and their families. Evil deeds often backfire on those who plan cruelty. Psalm 7, verse 14 to 16 tells us that. Okay? It backfires on them. So don't, unless you, unless you try to do, listen, if you stay out of it, it'll backfire on them. But if you get involved on it, it might happen to you. You've got to understand, you've got to trust God. This is where the obedience comes in. Important. All right, we're going to stop there. When we get back together again, we're going to continue in verse 25. All right? All right, Dave, you want to come up and close us? And we're going to do a video. Thank you, Lord. I just pray you could give us the strength to even have a fraction of... Uh, the faith that Daniel had. 
Lord, thank you for this time and this opportunity to step out of the world and into your house with fellow like-minded believers just to receive this awesome message that Pastor had tonight for us. And just the opportunity to also learn a little bit more about ourselves and our walk with you, Lord. We're so grateful and thankful to have a church and a congregation like this that the sole focus is you and the Bible, Lord. And we're truly lucky that not only do we receive the message of grace and mercy, but we also receive messages that are challenging and convicting to our hearts, Lord. Because I believe without those convicting uh, messages, Lord, I don't think we could truly grow as a, as a Christian. Yes. And Lord, I just pray that you prune our hearts of the things that serve as nothing more than a distraction to you and your word, Lord, and plant uh, desire and hunger for you and your word each day to come to for guidance and direction, Lord. And Lord, I just pray they continue to watch over this congregation, Lord. Anybody sick and not feeling well or just might be going through anything that you touch their hearts and remind them that you never leave them or forsake them and you'll be with them always, Lord. And I pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks, Dave. Thank all right, we're going to stand and watch a video and close.